the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 97. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now, your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Here we are. It is 6.04 on Wednesday night. This is Arthur Idala on the Arthur Idala Power Hour. And uh, for those of you who, um, well, you, m- most of you would not know, but uh, over the last week and a half now, the last 10 days, um, all around the city, um, there have been these huge digital billboards um, with our show, with our logo. And I've been getting texts and, and um, photographs of people sending to me from JFK Airport, by, from on the Bell Parkway, from the Long Island Expressway, in Staten Island, um, in New Jersey, over the Gothels Bridge, outside the Holland Tunnel. And I haven't seen them, but people are sending me some photos, and it's it's a pretty cool thing. And obviously, it has increased our listenership exponentially. So we're very excited. It's a great way to start off 2024. We have a great show. We have one special guest, uh, James Rosen. He is the Newsmax chief uh, White House correspondent. He was the Fox News chief White House correspondent when I was there. He's a... A very serious guy who's a very cool guy. Um, my story, real quick, with James Rosen was it was either the last time I was with Scalia or the second to the last time I was with Scalia. After I was finished hanging out with the justice, I went to the Fox News headquarters to see my friend Juan Williams. It's right there, right outside the train station. And James Rosen was in there. And, you know, James was always in Washington and I was always in New York. So, we knew each other from being on TV to get we were in the same room together. I never forget. He said, you know, you got to write this, this down, what you did today. Like, it's not normal to go hang out with Supreme Court justice and have wine and Campari and Grappa and do everything that you did. And uh, to some degree, I did take his advice. Uh, and coincidentally and ironically, James Rosen, our next guest, um, he wrote a book. Scalia, Rise to Greatness, 1936 to 1986, and it's all about Justice Antonin Scalia's life before he uh, was nominated to the Supreme Court, and now he's working on the second part, and he's not on the line yet, so I'm going to tell you, I am definitely going to make a pitch to have some little role, some little mention in Justice Scalia's book, because... um, he did tell me last time we spoke, James Rosen, he goes, look, you had a very special relationship with him that deserves to be in the book. And I have no problem telling you, not 
it's not from an ego point of view. It's from a nostalgia sentimentality point of view. I would love to be included in a book uh, written about Justice Anthony Scalia. We'll talk about that a little later on in March 11th when it would be Justice Scalia's birthday. Um, what I want to talk about briefly before we get to James Rosen is the fact that these cops got beat up in Times Square. I am like totally bugged out by this. I mean, it is against everything I was taught. It was against, I mean, how I was raised. Um, <clears throat> assaulting a police officer is so out of the realm of possibilities in my life. I, I can't even fathom it. And, okay, Governor Hochul today was like, oh, we should deport these people. Okay, we could deport them, like, after... They go to Rikers for a while, and then maybe go to upstate for a while. And, you know, hypothetically, I'm just throwing in hypotheticals. You know, the, the, the people inside there, maybe the law enforcement people know that, you know, these are the guys who, who are beating up on cops. And, you know, you know, whatever, see what happens with their food when it's time to be served and their apples when they have to go get them. I mean, I, look, if we don't send a blistering, strong message that you do not lay a hand on a police officer. We are on the road to chaos, to anarchy. Um, <clears throat> like every other profession, excuse me, like every other profession, there are good people and bad people. You say it about cops, plumbers, electricians, lawyers, doctors, etc. I've represented all of them in criminal matters. So yes, they break the law. They do wrong things. But... Overall, we need to respect doctors and, and, and value what they bring to the table. We need to respect the electricians and the plumbers who, who make sure we live in, in appropriate and, and livable and lovable homes. We need to respect law enforcement. And, I mean, when I saw that video, I'm like, they're beating up cops? Like, the self-control that these officers show? I mean, they have weapons on They have guns. Like, and I, look, and I understand what has happened over the last maybe 20 years is basically a police officer now won't will not pull their weapon unless they're being shot at tomorrow we're going to have both chief chell of the nypd on and chief kemper uh, he's the chief of patrol so he's the boss of these guys it's a lieutenant and and two police officers who got assaulted and uh chief kemper who's the the chief of transit we're gonna have them both on tomorrow <clears throat> and Obviously, we're going to talk about it, but this is something, okay, I'm happy Governor Hochul said, yes, these people should be deported. They should be a lot more than deported. They need to be punished. You know how many clients I've represented where first they go to jail and then they get deported? I just had one, and he got deported right before Christmas, which worked out, but he didn't assault anyone. It had to do with, like, selling cars, illegal cars with rolled back odometers. I mean, it was not exactly the crime of the century. You ask me, you assault a uniformed police officer, if we do not, if Hochul, Adams, Alvin, Bragg, the district attorney, all the DAs, in other words, there should be a huge press conference this week with the five district attorneys, the two United States attorneys, the attorney general of the state of New York, the the chief of uh, the New York State Troopers, the New York State Police, like I've, if, if I was managing either the governor's office 
or the mayor's office, I was the chief of staff, I would say, I want to get as many of these human beings as possible on a podium in a, uh, in a uh, whatever the ideal location is, and maybe on the steps of, the, of a courthouse, and just say, look, we're all about reforms and, and making sure people are treated equally and everyone's treated fairly, et cetera, et cetera. We want to right the wrongs of the past, whatever the appropriate language is. However... What is not going to be tolerated by any of these district attorneys, by any of these U.S. attorneys, by anyone in law enforcement, is our men or women being assaulted. It's just not going to be tolerated. And the, um, the penalties are going to be severe. Now, I know it's easy for me to say that. Eric Adams is trying to pass laws to allow or, or veto laws that are going to stop correction officers from putting inmates in solitary confinement. That's the only real tool that they have is to just say, okay, if you can't behave with everyone else, you're going to go alone. That's what we're supposed to do now with our kids, right? We're not supposed to hit them, spank them, don't take off the belt, don't hit them with the wooden spoon. No, you get a timeout. You're going to go for a timeout. What's a timeout? It's solitary confinement. It's hard to find a location where you can put your kid where they're actually solitary because there's something for them to entertain them everywhere. Unless you, like, lock them in the bathroom, which I'm sure that someone would call 911 on you if you did that. But there needs to be a powerful message. If, if I had the juice, I'd be calling the White House. I'd be saying, we need President Biden to say that this is not going to be tolerated, assault on law enforcement officers. I mean, this is nuts. And this affects all of us. You need, there needs to be a healthy respect, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say fear. Fear. The way when I was a kid, I was afraid of my dad. Yes, I was afraid of my father. I was. I didn't want to piss him off. Would I even think of touching him? I wouldn't even look at him in the wrong way because he was going to kick my butt. Now, with a cop, listen, I told you, I got a cop kicked me in the butt called me an AH, and and sent me home. He didn't arrest me. Now, nowadays, they don't do any of that. They just put the cuffs on you. Which one's worse? I would much rather have a cop kick me in the butt and tell me to go home than put handcuffs on me and put me through the system. There's no doubt about it. But there needs to be a healthy respect. I guess that's the most appropriate way I would say it. And I can't imagine, and maybe I'm being naive, but I can't imagine immigrants coming over to this country in the 10s, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s of the of the 1900s thinking about laying a hand on a cop. Look at the old movies and all that and how things are portrayed. You know, even though the cops may have been very corrupt back then and there's no doubt about that. Look at a couple of scenes from the great movie The Godfather, but to think about in Times Square, people all around, center of the universe. Cops come over to break up some kind of a melee, nothing horrible, and they get attacked. No, 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 not in my town. And um, i be honest with you, I've been underwater with legal work, so I don't know what the reaction has been. I mean, I scrolled through the newspapers for the 15 minutes before the show. I didn't see anyone except Hochul. Hochul's big thing is they should be deported. Yes, they should be deported after they're punished. They should not just be put on the plane and sent back to their country unless their country is going to punish them as well. But they should definitely be a um, a degree of punishment. So um, that's where Arthur Idala stands. I'm pretty sure that's where Eric Adams stands. That's where people like Councilman Joe Borelli stand. That's where reasonable, rational, 
New Yorkers, logical New Yorkers, who love New Yorkers stand. All right, we're going to come back with James Rosen. I bet you he's got something to say about this. He loves this city. Don't go away. We'll be right back on the Author Idola Power Hour. This is Dennis Prager. I am excited to announce the all-new PragerTopia Plus. You can listen to my show whenever it's convenient for you, all commercial-free and all on demand. Now with Prager Plus, search topics, guests, and segments all the way back to 2010. And now a truly exciting new benefit, my monthly online video get-together for PragerTopia Plus members only. This is where for an hour each month, PragerTopia Plus members get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. That's right, anything. It's on video. I'll be talking to you and answering your questions. We may even have a special guest every now and then. I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is only available to PragerTopia Plus members. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. Bay Ridge Honda, those are my people. Yesterday morning, I'm driving little Arthur to school, and Arthur and I have a car thing going. He's seven years old. Like, look at this car, Arthur. Look at that car. Then this morning, we saw an old Lincoln Town car. I was like, Arthur, those were like the cool cars when I was your age. But uh, yesterday, we saw this like dark, kind of dolphin gray, and I, I didn't know what car it was immediately. I was like, Arthur, look at that cool car. And what do you think it was? The brand new 2024 Honda Accord. You have to go check it out. It is beautiful. It has these sharp lines. It almost looks like a shark. It's really, really a sharp car. It's a beautiful car. It's a reliable car. It's a practical car. It's on Car and Driver's 10 best list of cars. And where are you going to get it? You're going to get it from the Sabah family. The Sabah family, 60 years. They've been at Bay Ridge Honda on 4th Avenue and 88th Street. Rob Sabah is there. His sister Danielle, her husband Billy. They're going to make you feel like part of their family because they've grown up there. They've grown up on 88th Street and 4th Avenue, right across the street from Ari Rang and Ponte Vecchio, right down the block from the Fort, from the R train on 4th Avenue. Um, there's no time to waste. You're going to have some great deals because they have no payments, 90-day, no payment financing. They have these great warranties. They have the great, the best prices around under MSRP, and the, the product is just beautiful, reliable, and all the Honda products are outstanding, and they will definitely have one to fit your needs. So don't hesitate. Visit Bayridge Honda on 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Brooklyn, New York, or go online to BayridgeHonda.com. Oil investments involve a high degree of risk and actual results may vary. Opportunity is knocking. The price of oil is predicted to rise in the next few years. With conflict in the Middle East and around the world, investing and diversifying in U.S. oil could be an ideal opportunity for accredited investors. Accredited investors with at least 50000 to invest. Take a look at the offerings with Freedom Crude, a U.S. company that's opening up new drilling projects that you should consider. Did you know that when you invest with Freedom Crude, your investment is a 100% write-off in the first year? Find out how you can create passive income and wealth for many years to come. Call Freedom Crew to find out more and how you can start taking advantage of a unique opportunity to invest in U.S. oil as prices are predicted to continue to rise. Don't stand on the sidelines any longer. It's the perfect time for you to invest in U.S. oil. Call Freedom Crude, 800-549-1985 and get a free information and investment kit. Call 800-549-1985. That's 800-549-1985. 
Just today, I got a call in the law firm about a, a from a client who needed some help with wills, trusts, estates. Who do you think I sent them to? 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. Connors and Sullivan. The lawyers at Connors and Sullivan will help you plan your overall estate. They'll sit down with you. They'll ask you, you know, what do you got? And where do you want it to go? And then they'll talk to you about protecting your assets in case you or your loved one gets sick. They'll keep you away from probate. They'll keep you away from, they'll protect you from nursing home costs, wills, trusts, power of attorneys, healthcare proxies, living wills, your overall estate plan. The goal of Connors and Sullivan's attorneys is always the protection of your rights and interests. They've been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 40 years. And you could visit them for a free, no obligation consultation with a lawyer. How are you going to do that? You're going to call Connors and Sullivan today. They have offices in Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. Or you can visit their website at connorsandsullivan.com. And don't forget, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Listen to AM 970, The Answer, on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. Oh, look at this. The little Beatles, man. I mean, Alex, what is our... Uh, I got Alex Garrett behind the Good evening, Arthur. Like, well, I wanted to line it up there. And you know what, Arthur? We also have a great guest on who loves the Beatles, I hear. Oh, is that what is that what's going on? That's what I'm hearing from the grapevine. So. All right. Well, I am so excited for this, uh, for our next guest. Um, he's someone I've known and followed and watched and listened to intently for... You know, we're almost exactly the same age. We're nine months apart. So I can say I listened to him for decades because that's, you know, I'm, I'm around for decades. The one and the only, the now, he's currently the Newsmax chief, chief, Newsmax chief White House correspondent. I'm so nervous to even introduce him. Um, he is the author of a great book, Scalia Rise to Greatness, 1936 to 1986. I'm hope he's, wor- I hope he's working on the, the next volume, the one, the only, welcome to the Arthur Idala Power Hour, James Rosen. Arthur, thank you so much for having me. Just the thrill I get from hearing the early Beatles erupt like that on AM radio. I mean, there's nothing like that. What an authentic radio experience to deliver to our listeners. And thank you for having me, Arthur. It's great to be back with you. And how nice is it to be on AM radio, old school AM radio? Right? Love it. Love and it. You know, up I- with it. I know, you and I both. I mean, honestly, most people now go, Alexa, put on AM 970 The Answer. So they're not really tuning in anymore. But, you know, it's, it's, oh, it's, it's still, there's something special about it. So i got to uh, ask one thing before we start. i got to ask one thing. How did you choose the title of your show, Arthur Idala Power Hour? Because i got to be honest, when I hear it, I think of like this should be some sort of evangelical hour, like the power hour. Well, it's so no, no, no. You you're not the only one to say that. Here's as you know in the world of of at least the radio, most people don't have an hour show, and and they wanted me when they first pitched me on. They're like, you got to do two hours. You got to do two hours. I'm like, excuse me, I'm running a kind of a real like law firm here. And I have a two-year-old, a seven-year-old, a seventeen-year-old. I'm like, you know, I just don't have the bandwidth. And one of the people at AM nine seventy was like, "Well, if you're going to do an hour, you're just going to power through it." And there we go. We went with the power hour. But go. I do pray a lot, James Rosen. I do play a uh, pray a lot. So do me a favor. I 
I pride myself. You know, the the tagline for this show is making the case for the city I love, and and you know I love this city. So I don't do a lot of national stuff because this everyone else does it. So this is a place where people come and find the local stuff. But obviously, with you, I want to tap into your national knowledge. So give me. However, let us pause to note. Let us pause to note. You are talking, Arthur, to a native New Yorker, born in Brooklyn, raised on Staten Island. Uh, you know, lived in Manhattan, uh, worked in the Bronx, and root for the team in Queens. Right over here. Wow, the team in Queens. God bless you. Now, you're old enough. The team in Queens, what, the Mets or when the Jets played in Queens? Which one? Honestly, it's a good question. I was so fanatical about Tom Seaver that I rooted for whatever team he was playing for at the time. So cruel were the trades of Tom Seaver in, in one of the darkest days of my life, June 15, 1977, when he was traded to the Cincinnati Reds. And then in 1984, when he was, quote-unquote, left unprotected by the New York Mets, he came back for one glorious year and then went to the Chicago White Sox. So I was a huge Tom Seaver freak, but I still have a soft spot, a, a soft spot for the New York Mets. Who doesn't? There you go. So, James Rosen, you've been how long have you been covering the White House altogether? Well, with this most recent stretch uh, since I joined Newsmax at the beginning of uh, 2022, I covered the Bush I covered the last year of Clinton and the first 4 years of Bush Cheney. And what I mean is being in the room every day in that press briefing room uh, when I was with Fox News, so, but on and off since 1999. Wow. So just tell us what, what life is like. I mean, I know we see you on the television, and it seems very you know glorious and, and very cool. And wow, look <laughs> at this. I'm guessing there's like a lot of downtime. There's a lot of waiting time. There's a lot of backroom dealing of like who's going to get the scoop this story or that give us a little insight of what life is like for a white house correspondent if you're a good reporter um an enterprising reporter arthur you don't have any downtime but it is not as you suggest as glamorous as people might think first of all when most visitors make it to the white house press briefing room they're astonished at how small and grimy and um, how how bad it is in, in ergonomic terms, how nobody has any room for their legs in the seat in front of them. There are 49 seats in the White House press briefing room, seven rows of seven. Newsmax has the seat that is uh, sixth row center, so that is my seat. I am the current custodian of the seat, I should say. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, being the, uh, the White House correspondent, the chief White House correspondent for Newsmax is not enviable duty in the Biden White House. Um, I'm not treated, let's say, the, re- the, the way that the rest of the reporters are, the so-called mainstream media reporters are. But I make the best of it, and I try and, and, and do my job for the, both for Newsmax and the American people. Who chooses who sits where? The White House Correspondents Association, of which yours truly has been a member, more or less, since 1999. Okay, so it's not the White House, it's not the occupants of the White House, so when Trump is there... You would be in the front row, and when Biden's there, you're in the sixth row. <laughs> you know, uh, I remember under the uh, the Bush-Cheney White House when Fox News got its seat upgraded to the front row, and the Washington Post reported on this and, and put a picture of, of me next to a picture of a reporter at the time for Time Magazine named Jay Carney, who later, of course, became the White House press secretary under President Obama. Uh, but his seat uh, for Time Magazine was dislodged by Fox News getting into the front seat. And the Washington Post ran a story about this at the time. Uh, you know, the White House Correspondents Association is kind of a, it's a nonprofit. Um, it's stranglehold over the seating chart in that White House press briefing room. 
has come under some challenge in recent years, and it's unclear to me whether they would maintain that stranglehold if someone such as former President Trump were elected again. Um, it seems to me that the White House could have significant sway over who sits where uh, if they decided to, to, to press that. No pun what, intended. What's your relationship with the current White House press secretary? That would be Karine Jean-Pierre. I would call it conflicted, if not tormented. Um, we have been through a lot together just in the year and a half or almost two years that she has been the press secretary. Uh, I don't get called on with the frequency I think uh, that either I or my outlet warrants. Um, and so sometimes I have been reduced to what I call the art of interjection, which is finding a quiet moment, a briefly quiet moment, in which you, if you're not going to be called on, you can, you can raise a question without being called on. Uh, you have to practice pith, uh, which is to say, you know, making it succinct because you only have a moment in which there's, there's a lull in the action, so to speak. Um, and, and this happened recently, uh, where at the end of uh, the briefing that was held on Monday, uh, Karim Jean-Pierre was asked by one of my colleagues, Brian Bennett of Time Magazine, a, a, someone I consider a friend, uh, if the president, what the president meant when he said that if this, this, this negotiation that's been ongoing for months now between the White House and congressional Democrats and congressional Republicans over changes to the policy at the southern border in exchange for a resumption of funding to Ukraine and perhaps uh, other, other uh, foreign policy imperatives, funding for Israel, funding for Taiwan, um, they've been negotiating this for a long time without success. Um, and uh, President Biden recently told reporters that he will shut the border down as soon as this bipartisan compromise gets passed. Uh, and my colleague Brian Bennett of Time said, what did he mean uh, when he said he would shut the border down? And Karine Jean-Pierre acquitted herself of a lot of verbiage that didn't really quite get to the question. And so practicing the art of interjection, because I knew she wasn't going to call on me, uh, the days where she would call on me have seemed to have come to an end for reasons only she knows. Uh, I, practicing the art of interjection, called out and say, so does he mean what he says? Shut down the border means shut down the border? And I was informed by that, Arthur, by my work on that Scalia biography. Scalia, of course, was a champion of originalism and textualism. And the idea that words have meaning, and the meaning we should impute to them is the meaning they were widely understood at the time that they were enacted. So when I hear the president say, going to shut down the border, shouldn't we just infer that he means shutting down the border in the, in the popular understanding of that term? Again, came a lot more verbiage, and when I, she started to talk about on the first day of his presidency, President Biden offered the Congress a comprehensive immigration reform bill, and I interrupted her, and I said, we've heard all that, which we have heard literally hundreds of times. I said, we want to talk about the news. And Karine Jean-Pierre said back to me, you don't get to dictate my answers. You know what? If you interrupt me again, we can just end this briefing right here. Is that what you want? And I said, I just want to know what he, if he means what he says. And finally, she, the words came out of her mouth, he means what he says. All That's right, so our relationship. I got you. So it's um, you're not going out for cocktails uh, that often? Is that what's the, the plan? If elected, I would serve, of course, Arthur. Ah, there you go. So uh, while I have you, we have a couple of minutes left before we have to take a quick break. Talk to me a little bit about uh, President Biden and immigration and the migrant crisis. You are a, a New Yorker, but I know you guys have the, and you're down in D.C. now. You know we have a crisis here. I know you have a crisis there. There's this, um, obviously, this bill pending. There's a lot of uh, horse trading going on. James Rosen, you're living it down there in Washington, D.C. Fill us in. A key factor here is former President Trump, who has made it clear behind the scenes that he doesn't want to see the U.S. Congress, and particularly the Republican-led House, 
agree to some grand compromise on the border and Ukraine and Israel and Taiwan because the former president feels that this would hand uh, President Biden a kind of an election year victory, uh, a triumph on, on the border that, the, that President Biden could tout in the forthcoming election. Um, speaker Johnson, uh, the Republican speaker, uh, who's only had the gavel for about three and a half months, um, dis- dismisses as ridiculous any suggestions that he's taking orders from the former president. But he has made clear that right now this compromise that is being worked out chiefly in the Senate um, is dead on arrival in the House of Representatives. And so the question remains, uh, will there be any significant changes to the border uh, in the near-term future? And moreover, uh, will the United States resume the funding of the Ukrainian armed forces, without which um, the capital there in Kiev and, and, and President Zelensky could be uh, in existential danger of falling to the, Ru- the Russian invaders? It's a so, very serious situation. James Rosen, if you took out your crystal ball... Um, what do you see happening in the next couple of days or weeks regarding this? It's hard to see the, uh, the, 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 the math adding up in the House of Representatives where the Republicans have such a small, major- uh, small slim majority and where a number of hard-right Republicans in the House Freedom Caucus and elsewhere, and, and including Speaker Johnson himself, have said that this compromise, as it's currently being sketched out, is dead on arrival in the House. So it's hard to see any agreement coming on the border or Ukraine. Of course, the Republicans make the point, and it was fascinating to see Speaker Johnson make his first uh, floor speech as Speaker of the House earlier today, in which he said, I had a conversation on the phone with President Biden a couple of weeks ago. I read to him the text of the law he can use to enforce the immigration laws at the border right now. He doesn't need this compromise package. But he said the president ignored that. If you ask me for my crystal ball, and good reporters, Arthur, are generally eschew the business of prognostication, we're much more comfortable telling you what has happened. But what the heck, it's still drive-time radio. There you um, go. I don't see any compromise emerging. Okay, well, that's, I don't know, that's not good because we need to deal with, with this immigration crisis. So James Rosen, um, the Newsmax Chief, Newsmax Chief White House correspondent, I'm going to come back to you after this message. I, I want to talk about a couple of topics. One, though, and because I know you'll be upset about this, uh, even though I guess you're not allowed to be upset as a reporter either. Um, I know you saw this video of police officers getting beat up in Times Square. I mean, that is I so did. beyond the way you and I were raised. It, I shake yeah. my head. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a quick commercial to pay for some of this uh, radio airtime. And uh, we're going to come right back with James Rosen on the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Don't go away. Wellness Wednesday with your favorite Fox News medical all-stars and other experts on how to keep you well. That's tonight at 7 on AM 970, The Answer. Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before. We get it, and we want to help. We're Salem Surround. We're a full-service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. If you're a local business and want to see what Salem Surround can do for you, Google Salem Surround New York. Remember to Google Salem Surround New York today. It's back to Tobacco Road for the Q's as the Orange take on Wake Forest in Winston-Salem Saturday night. Hi, I'm Matt Park. Join Jim Saddleman and me Saturday at 7.30 on AM 970, The Answer. New York's home for Syracuse University basketball. 
Okay, so when you're looking for concrete materials for your next construction project, call on the experts of Diamondback Ready Mix. They are New York and New Jersey's number one premier family-owned concrete supplier, proudly located on Staten Island. Providing concrete services for commercial, municipal, and residential general contractors throughout New York City and New Jersey. The Diamondback Ready Mix Quality is Our Strength service will guide each customer from the initial order through the final pouring. Fully insured in New York and New Jersey, and they will produce your concrete with the perfect blend of durability, strength, and appearance for any project that you need them for. Take it from me, call today and ask for Harry for personalized service, second to none. That's 718-650-5649. You're going to get a free estimate, so give a call, 718-650-5649, or go online to Diamondback Ready Mix. That's Ready Mix, R-E-D-I-M-I-X dot com. And don't forget, Diamondback Ready Mix is a DeFazio Industries company. My name is Imran Ansari, and I lead the Civil Litigation Division of Idala, Bertuna & Kamins, the preeminent New York litigation law firm. Have you been injured in a construction site accident? Have you fallen from a scaffold, ladder, or height while on the work site? If the answer is yes, then you may be entitled to significant monetary compensation for your injuries. In most cases, the law in New York favors you as the plaintiff if injured in a fall while working on someone else's property. It is important you speak to an attorney right away to make sure your rights are protected. Myself and our team of experienced trial attorneys will never settle for less than what you deserve. We're always ready to go to court to fight for you and seek justice. If you or a loved one have been injured in an accident, don't delay. Call Idala Bertuna and Cammons at 212-486-0011, 212-486-0011, or visit us at idalalaw.com. Idala Bertuna and Cammons, fighting for justice, fighting for you. Well, if you're looking to change the trajectory of your life or someone you love, there is no better place to look than Plaza College. Plaza College is a beautiful, beautiful environment. I've been there myself. I broadcasted from there. It is so conveniently located right outside the subway uh, in Queens, uh, not far from Manhattan at all, if that's where you're at and that's where you got to have to get to. They have multiple schools. You got to see what wets your whistle, what tickles your fancy. I, of course, am prone to talking about their court reporting program because court reporters are a big part of my world as they were today when I was in court. Court reporters work as much or as little as they want, and their earning potential is fantastic and as high or as little as you want to work. You could go work for a DA's office or a different kind of agency, and you have benefits, pension plans, healthcare plans, and obviously it's a, you know, it's a more of a regimented schedule. Or you could be a freelance person where you work when you want and for how long you want, and you want to take two weeks off. You don't have to tell anybody. You just say, I'm sorry, I'm unavailable. Right now, there are 5,000 openings and not enough reporters to fill them. So the National Court Reporters Association is offering a free program called A to Z, where participants are introduced to stenography and court reporting, and sessions are being hosted right here in New York City, Plaza College, Queens, New York. It's the only school in the city with a court reporting program. So sign up today by emailing info at plazacollege.edu. Again, that's info at plaza, P-L-A-Z-A, college.edu. D-U.
Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. As long as I got my suit and tie, I'm going to leave it out on the floor tonight. And it got fixed up to the nines. Let me show you a what do we got here, Alex? You know, it's Justin Timberlake's 43rd birthday, and I know you love wearing the suit and tie, so I figured what a great match there, huh? All right, all right. He's also what performing it? tonight at the Irving Plaza. Yeah, he just, like, he just like popped it up, right? It's like yep, one of those right. pop-up shows. That's correct. Well, here on this show, the Arthur Idala Power Hour, this is Arthur Idala. I have James Rosen on. He's the chief White House correspondent for Newsmax. Um, I know him for quite some time. He is a very, very well-respected reporter. I do want to ask one personal question. You can tell me if I'm out of order, but um, your mother's name is Regina, and I, you know, I don't see that as being a name that like gels that well with Rosen. Am I missing something? <laughs> I mean, the church, the church that I went to is called Regina Pachis. It's it's the, the it's the queen, the queen of peace. Regina means queen. Now, maybe I'm sure in the family, your mother was the queen, so it makes sense. But I figured I'd just ask. And she remains at the age of 85, still married to my dad, 89. They just celebrated their 61st wedding anniversary just a couple of days ago. Um, you so know, you got me beat. Let me, Jim. Let me, uh, James. Let me just interrupt you. So in two weeks, uh, two weeks from tomorrow. My parents will celebrate their 60th. Wow. That's yep. fantastic. I mean, I, I, honestly, you're like, you're like one of the only people I know who's, because who, I, I, I was talking to one of my friends. I go, my parents can be married 60 years. I go, who else do you know who's been married 60 years? Either people have gotten divorced or they never made it that long in, long, in terms of longevity. So I now know now, someone was else. Your, was it your grandfather who was the boxing judge? Who's yeah, my dad's dad. That's who I'm named after, Artie Idala. And, and sadly, if you were someone that would take full circus, he passed away on their wedding anniversary in 2000, February 15th, wow. 2000. But, um, well, congratulations. Life. Yep, congratulations to your parents and to Regina, Regina Rose. And I was like, I was like, is he Italian? I'm like, where does Regina come from? You want to tell us where Her Regina comes from? His name was Brownfeld, so no. But when you asked, you know, you could tell me if I'm out of order. If, of course, it brings to mind Goodfellas. You know what? You got out of order yourself a little bit. Uh, Tonight <laughs> the drinks are on the house. There we go. So speaking of Goodfellas, you know, if you if you want to talk about that movie or the movie of Bronx Tale or a movie of The Godfather or any of these these movies that are you know from that genre scripture. that they are scripture to New Yorkers. Yeah, they are scripture to New Yorkers. You ever see any of those movies? A guy beating up a cop on the street. That was really shocking, that video. Uh, and what we're referring to, for the benefit of our listeners, was uh, surveillance footage from a sidewalk that showed two New York City police officers uh, attempting to intervene with some rowdiness on the sidewalk that involved, as I understand it, some illegal immigrants and uh, other illegal immigrants rushing onto the scene to kick those officers and beat them while they were trying to enforce the law. And it's shocking, you know. But again, it's of a piece with a general disrespect for law enforcement officers and for law and order itself that we've seen in recent years. And, you know, uh, in the wake of the George Floyd incident and, and at other points, uh, even before that, we have seen attacks on police officers on the rise. And, of course, it has an impact on the way law, enforce, law enforcement officers discharge their duties. Um, and so uh, we we hope those officers are okay, and we hope the guilty parties are apprehended and, and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. 
Well, I mean, the thing is, is that, um, you know, you talk about how they discharge their duties. The one thing they're not doing is discharging their weapons. And I don't know. Think about it, James Rosen. If if it was two guys just standing there and you see they both have guns on them, right? They just not civilians, not cops. They're civilians with, with guns. And there's me, you, and let's say Shep Smith and Rick Leventhal, and we're all hanging out. Are we going to go pick a fight? With the two guys who have sidearms on them as well as other kinds of, of weapons, like it's just that we've handcuffed the cops to a degree where they really can't pull that weapon, correct or incorrect? Well, it's it's not so much, I think, a um, a function of handcuffs on the police in, in in the form of regulations or laws, but it is what happens to police so frequently after they intervene and they use force where they themselves become the targets of riots and protests and, and, and court actions. And so it has an inhibiting effect on law enforcement. Uh, and it's regrettable. Um, and, you know, it reminds me, frankly, of the period of the late 60s. Uh, and President Biden, of course, enjoys only limited authority over uh, enforcement of the law in various jurisdictions. Uh, there's a federal jurisdiction over the Department of, over the District of Columbia. But generally speaking, this is a local matter. But the President of the United States has an important role to play in terms of standing up for law enforcement. And uh, President Biden, for example, spoke at the funeral of a Capitol Police officer uh, early on in his term. But generally speaking, when we hear about the President making calls to the families of slain individuals, it, it tends to be um, the victims of police brutality, but he, he seldom calls the actual police officers' families. Um, and I asked about this at one of the White House press briefings with Karine Jean-Pierre, uh, maybe with Jen Psaki prior to that, where you had um, a gentleman who was the chief of police in a small Pennsylvania town and who was the father of three and who was gunned down. And the truth is the President of the United States is the chief law enforcement officer of the country, uh, even above the Attorney General of the United States. And I asked on that occasion, you know, the president has called uh, the families of, of this or that African-American individual who was unjustly killed or detained or what have you, but why didn't he call the family of that police chief from Pennsylvania? who was a father of three who was shot in the line of duty and killed. And you don't get a really good answer. So part of this has to do with the tone set by the people at the top, our politicians at the top, Arthur. Well, I, I don't know if I don't think you were on the line yet. I, I said in the opening segment of this show that, you know, besides obviously Mayor Adams and Governor Hochul, I said the president of the United States should, should, should take this video and, and, and air it and stand there next to it and say this is not going to be tolerated, not by a migrant or, or a citizen or, or anybody else, uh, because if we you know if we lose that respect and let's face it, that that degree of fear. Uh, because as I said in my little example, you and I wouldn't just go walk up to some guy, two guys with guns and start a fight with them. If we, if the cops lose that authority, then we have chaos, right? We have anarchy. It's, it's part of a long running decline in respect for authority, which, um, has been underway for many years. It predates why? The current James Rosen, w- tell us why, why is that going on? I think it's, it's, um, it's um, got a variety of factors to it, Arthur, but, um, you know, for example, uh, the country was lied to uh, by a succession of presidents about the Vietnam War and how we got into it. Uh, and then we saw Watergate occur. 
And so, uh, you know, in the period of the 1970s, really began this precipitous decline in respect for institutions and authority in general. And I don't know that we've ever recovered from it. Um, but the, again, the, the President of the United States has, can, can set a tone. This is true not just with respect for institutions and law enforcement, but also with the economy itself. Uh, part of President Biden's problem as he heads into a re-election this year is that uh, he has really lost whatever capability Joe Biden ever had in Delaware and beyond for salesmanship. Um, and part of this may have to do with his advanced age and the state of his medical condition. But the fact is, a president of the United States can affect the economy, can affect consumer confidence. And this president happens to have a lot going on with the economy that most presidents would kill to have, such as um, unemployment rate below 3.5%, strong job growth and, and job creation. But this president of the United States doesn't have the ability to sell the American people on the health of the economy and the future of the economy. And that is a, a large part of, of why President Biden's job approval ratings have been underwater for over two and a half years now. Let's talk. I got two minutes before I have a commercial, and then we'll have you back after the commercial. But and I know I'm giving you a hard job, but you know how to do this. You're a pro. Two minutes. Tell me about the Homeland Security Secretary uh, Mayorkas being uh, impeached. Well, the article's well, impe of impeachment. He has, not, he has not been impeached, but what has happened is that the House Homeland Security Committee uh, of course, which is chaired by a Republican and on which the Republicans have a majority, uh, late, late yesterday night, uh, voted up two articles of impeachment against Secretary Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, alleging that he has failed to enforce the laws of the border and that he has lied to the Congress uh, in their dealings with him. Uh, now it goes what, to a full House floor vote, which should take place next week. And if the full uh, House in which the Republicans have only a very slender majority, should vote to approve those two articles of impeachment, then yes, as a formal matter, the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, will have been impeached, and then he will have a trial in the Senate. Wow. I mean, is this... Is this when was the last time something like this happened? been over 150 years. I should point out that a number of, of, of conservative legal scholars or others who even worked for President Trump during his impeachment trouble, such as um, uh, Alan Dershowitz and others have said that they don't see the evidence for a real for a meaningful impeachment charge against Secretary Mayorkas, that this is really a set of policy differences uh, being dragged into the impeachment arena. We'll see what the full House floor says next week. All right. We won't get fooled again by the who. This is Arthur Idala with James Rose. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about Justice Scalia. We'll talk a little bit about boxing and anything else that comes to mind with James Rosen here on the Arthur Idala Power Hour. If your retirement account is mostly stocks or bonds, listen closely. The future of your savings may be more uncertain than ever before. Hi, I'm Paul Stone, CEO of Colonial Metals. The sad truth is our government continues to eat away at our freedoms and security. In economic times like these, run around the flagpole by lunatics in Washington, I look to the most trusted store of wealth in human history, physical gold and silver that you own. 
At Colonial Metals, we specialize in helping folks with IRAs and 401ks and other retirement accounts move their savings into physical gold and silver. If you'd like a free gold investment kit, give us a call today at 820-800-8000. My team is standing by ready to rush a free gold investment kit to you. You may also qualify for $7,500 in free silver and a free safe. Call 820-800-8000 now. That's 820-800-8000. Colonial Metals is not a financial advisor. Consult with your advisor before investing. That's 820-800-8000. It's Arthur Idala talking about Bay Ridge Honda. If you're looking for a new car, it's time. Okay, you just paid off those credit card bills in January, and now it's February, and then you got a couple of paychecks coming in, and you're ready to put down a down payment, a deposit, put down some money for a lease. There is nowhere to go. Just promise yourself, before you even look at any other car, or after you look at any other car, go check out all of the Honda products, the Odyssey, the Passport, the CRV, the HRV, of course, the, the, the vaulted, unbelievably valued Honda Accord, the Honda Civic, awesome, awesome products at an awesome dealership. Look, for you to be around 60 years, six decades, same family, same ownership, you know you're doing something right. So check out Bay Ridge Honda on 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Brooklyn, New York, or go online and check out BayRidgeHonda.com. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. All right, it's Arthur Idala. It is 6.52. I am so bummed out that I'm running out of time. I feel like it's a football game, and I, I'm heading towards the end zone, and I'm, I'm going to run out of time. In 1999, James Rosen, our guest, he's the chief White House correspondent for Newsmax. He's been around for a, quite some time covering the White House. But you wrote an article called uh, Ali and Me. Tell us that real quick. That was published in the long-gone Weekly Standard magazine in uh, May 1999, and it recounted my encounter with Muhammad Ali on the streets of Washington in April 1999, where I was walking at night from Fox News to Union Station at night by myself, and there's Muhammad Ali standing in front of me, and I had worshipped Muhammad Ali with childlike obsession my entire life. And it was just Ali and a man named Howard Bingham, who was Ali's professional photographer and friend. For so many years, this man lost marriages to Ali. And Howard Bingham is believed to be the photographer in human history who has taken the largest number of photos of another human being. That's how long he was with Ali. And when I saw them at night and I engaged them, they couldn't even believe I knew who Howard Bingham was. We had about 20 minutes together walking to Union Station. I got to do all of my impersonations like Howard Cosell. I fear it may be time to say goodbye to Muhammad Ali after George Foreman gets through with him. I got to do my impersonation of Ali and the Ali shuffle. Like, I'm so fast. I'm so pretty. I can turn out the lights and be in bed before it gets dark. And I was doing the Ali shuffle. That's and she was covering his mouth and pointing at me. You couldn't believe the joy I brought to him. And, you know, we talked about a bunch of things for about 20 minutes. And I wrote about that article, Ali and Me, in the Weekly Standard. I will place it at the top of my Twitter feed, at James Rosen TV. Uh, let me tell you, so you, you see the smile on my face. You know, as I sit here in my law office, I am looking at, at a, a, a small wall that I have dedicated, and there's my grandfather's um, 
obituary in the New York Times, Artie Idala, 91, judge at first, Ali Frazier bout, and, I'm, and the hat that my grandfather wore is framed uh, up there. You know, he, he, he judged the fight, the fight of the century, and in... Um, March 8, 1971, two undefeated heavyweight champions meeting at Madison Square Garden, the most electric night in the history of the Garden. Now... And I'm, I'm so jazzed that your grandfather was one of the judges who awarded Joe Frazier the unanimous decision at the end of that fight after Frazier had floored Ali briefly in the 15th round. I just published an article in this past Sunday's New York Post, a double-page spread. And again, uh, our listeners can find it at the top of my Twitter feed, at James Rosen TV, devoted to looking at the second of the three Ali Frazier fights. Everyone remembers the one we just talked about, the fight of the century, March 1971 at the Garden. Everyone remembers the third fight, the Thriller in Manila in the Philippines in 1975, where Frazier couldn't come out for the 15th round. He was so badly disfigured, his, his corner wouldn't and, let him and, come out. And Ali, and Ali almost didn't come out for the 15th round. It was very close yeah, whether I mean, he was going to come that out. That is cited as the, the greatest, most brutal heavyweight title fight of all time. Frazier was the sitting champ when he defeated Ali the first time. Ali was the sitting champ when he defeated Al, uh, Frazier in the third match. Nobody really talks about the second Ali-Frazier fight, which was also held at Madison Square Garden 50 years ago this week, January 28, 1974. And this article in the New York Post that I just wrote, and which you can find on my Twitter feed, at James Rosen TV, looks back at this second fight, where neither of them was champion, where it was only a 12-round bout, not 15 rounds, and where Ali earned the unanimous decision. And uh, Howard Cosell, in calling the match for ABC at the time, called it sort of an anticlimax. He said, I think most people realize there's lacking the energy and the, the brilliance of the first fight. I take a different view. This was Muhammad Ali's last great dancing exhibition. And for Frazier, who gave Ali so much trouble over the three fights, this was the bout in which Ali dispensed with Frazier most convincingly. And so if you're a fan of the greatest of all time, this is really one of his greatest performances. And so I call in this article for a historical reexamination, and I give you a kind of a round-by-round, blow-by-blow depiction. James Rosen will check it out. I got 15 seconds left. Tell me, when is the next Scalia book coming out? Hopefully uh, the end of 2025. Scalia... Supreme Court years, 1986 to 2016. All right. Well, I, you know, I hope you and I can chat about that at some point because I got a couple of war stories Absolutely. for you. All right. Thank you so much, James Rosen. He is the chief White House correspondent for Newsmax. This time flew by for me. I hope it did for you as well. Tune in tomorrow. I'm going to have Chief Chell of the NYPD, Chief Kemper of the NYPD. We'll see what's really going on with crime in New York City from the source. Signing off on a Wednesday night on the Author I Dollar Power Hour. I'll see you tomorrow. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.